All right, I want you to notice what it says in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. What I want to preach about today is the doctrine of Christian liberty. This is probably one of my favorite subjects to talk about, and it's a subject I believe very strongly in. One of the reasons we named this church, Liberty Baptist Church. I believe very much in liberty, not just national liberty. Uh, liberty is not an American word. It's a Bible word. It's a Bible word, and it has a Bible meaning. And it means something to have Christian liberty, but this is a doctrine that many people get confused about. And these three verses that we just read, if you can fully grasp these three verses, you will know what you need to know about Christian liberty, how to have Christian liberty. But unfortunately, there's a lot of leaven that gets in churches. There's a lot of false doctrine. And let me tell you, Christian liberty is often something that people don't even understand in Baptist churches. And that's a shame and so I really just pray that I will have the words to just express the truth of this subject because it is an important truth. It is a great truth. I want this to be a church of liberty. I want to stand here today and I want to proclaim liberty at Liberty Baptist Church. I want us to be a church that understands liberty, experiences it. But, you know, there's definitely ditches you can kind of end up in on both sides when you get these things wrong. What we have going on today is on one side, you have people who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. You have those who are not only taking advantage of God's grace, but they almost encourage others to do the same. Even though verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And, then, and so, too, you have you know a lot of these people, I'm going to talk about them in this afternoon's message a little bit, but they often call themselves free gracers, and we are free grace people here. But any time with these people, you make any kind of call for holiness or a call to follow a law from the Bible, they try, you, they try to turn the conversation into one about salvation and try to make it like you're teaching faith plus works. That's not it at all. They act like... You know, they act like they teach an easy salvation, but in their world, like, no one is saved at all. I mean, everyone gets exposed all the time. And, you know, any time, and they're just very good at any time you challenge them on anything, you know, they turn it into a salvation conversation and make it like you're teaching faith plus works. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We don't want to be those people, but we also don't want to be those who confuse people about whether they're saved or not. You, you know, you have people, even in Baptist churches, they can't preach a clear gospel. They constantly have people questioning whether they are saved or not because they're still struggling with sin. Their church members get saved every year, it seems like. That's not right. That's not what God wants. And so what exactly is Christian liberty according to the Scriptures? What is it according to the Scriptures? Because there's a lot of ways people look at liberty... And there's many things people consider liberty, but what is it according to the Bible? So first off, let's look at the first mention. Having a proper understanding of what liberty is versus what bondage is too will help us not make some of the mistakes people are making 
on both sides. But Leviticus 25, 8 says, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, in the space of seven Sabbaths of years, shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Ye shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants whereof it shall be a jubilee unto you. And ye shall return every man unto his possession and ye shall return every man unto his family. Right here is the first time we see the word liberty used in the Bible. And what we are seeing in here, it's a reference to the year of Jubilee, talking about the Sabbath years. And it was a removing of debts. It was a removing of debts. It was a restoration to an inheritance. And let me tell you, financial bondage is truly bondage. It's not fun owing money. It's not fun having obligation. It's not fun when you get yourself into a situation that later on you regret. And that happens a lot. But at the same time, while we often get ourselves in financial situations we didn't want to, where we owe someone money, you know, and as a result now, we maybe can't do things that we would like to do. Maybe we, maybe you would like to go on vacation, but instead you got to pay the IRS. You know, you'd rather go and go on a shopping spree or something, but you got to pay that credit card bill. You have that obligation. And so it, uh, we see in the Bible that when they're proclaiming liberty, they did. They had a process where they would remove debt. And not only would they remove the debt in that year of Jubilee, but they did it to the point that if maybe somebody had sold their land and sold their inheritance that was supposed to be in their family and in their line forever, out at that year of Jubilee, it would go back to them. So it was, it was, an, it was a restoration back to the way things were supposed to be. That's an exciting thing. And so think of debt as an obligation, okay? as an obligation. I want you to keep that in your mind. And so liberty is having the ability to have options where sin removes options. We see in Psalms 119.44, it says, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. Now, some people would hear that and say, wow, that sounds tough. That sounds like bondage. The very next verse says, and I will walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. Sin is what creates debt. Sin creates obligation. Those who are not sinning, those people, they don't have all these obligations. They're not racking up all these debts. So many people think liberty is the ability to just do whatever your flesh wants, but your flesh is sinful, it's deceitful, it robs you of liberty. Sin creates debt. It creates obligation. Even on earth, okay? Let's just talk about how it is on earth. A criminal record can make your life very difficult. It can remove opportunities. Brother Jerry was just talking about that last night when he was going to be, a, back when he was going to be a police. You know, they were like checking on everything he'd ever did. And if you've done some things that, you know, weren't according to the law, you know, that might ruin an opportunity for you. That might make it where, uh, you know, you want to do something, but now you can't because you have that sin debt or you have that criminal record. There are many jobs where they want to know if you've been convicted of any felonies or misdemeanors. And if you have, they're probably not going to hire you. You end up losing liberty. There's, there, uh, you know, in our country too, if you've committed certain things, if you've committed felonies, you can't buy a gun. 
You know, you're not able to vote. It takes, it takes away opportunities and it's even the same thing according to the Word of God. So uh, Romans 13, verse 7. So here's the thing. If you've never done those things, okay, if you don't have a criminal record, you have liberty because actually you have options. Because now you, there's things that you can do that the criminal can't do. And guess what? You could even go, you could even go and commit those crimes if you wanted to. <laughs> now, then you're going to lose your liberty too. But who's it going to be easier to rob a bank for to rob a bank? Somebody with zero criminal record or somebody who's got a record a mile long. You know? So it's like, I have more opportunities. Obviously, I'm not encouraging you to do that, but I'm just saying, people who have liberty, they can kind of do what they want to do. They can go where they want to go. How would you like to have to wear an ankle monitor? We had a guy that came to church here years ago. That he visited the church, and I didn't know he had an ankle monitor, but he had he had an ankle monitor on. And uh, I called him up, I was wanted to come visit him. And you know, and I and I remember I went over to his house, and he was telling me how he can't leave his house. Uh, but they let him go to church on Sundays, and he, you know, broke some laws, and so he's got to wear an ankle monitor. How would you like it if you weren't able to leave the state, you weren't able to cross state lines or something like that? That would stink. Listen, it's great having the options to do whatever you would want to do. And sin takes away those op- options because sin creates obligation. You know, that young man who thinks that liberty is not having any morals and he's going around and he's fooling around with girls, you know what? He's going to lose his liberty when he gets her pregnant and then he's got to pay child support. I mean, how would you like a judge telling you when you could see your kid? How would you like a judge telling you how much of your paycheck you got to take home. That's what happens when you sin. That's what, that's what happens. I've had people before, you know, they ask, how in the world are you able to afford and able to, you know, support eight children? It's like, well, you know, it helps if I, if I have, if you have all those children with one woman. I've talked to, I've talked to several men before who have a lot of kids. You know, they'll have like seven or eight kids and a lot of times it's with multiple women. And so, you know, the first thing, like, how do you afford that? I was like, well, you know, it does, I, I'm, it's all with the same woman. That helps a lot. Two, you know, I'm not wasting a lot of money on drugs and alcohol. I'm not wasting any money on that, by the way. You know, let, me, let me clarify. I'm not wasting any money on drugs and alcohol and things that a lot of our world does. That our world says, I've got liberty because I'm doing all these things. No, you're losing liberty with those things. You're losing opportunity when you do these things. And so Romans 13.7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. That's what we saw in Galatians. For this, now get a hold of this. This is where we start understanding what liberty is. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So, here's where we start understanding what liberty is. Because because we are free from the law. Meaning, we are not under the condemnation of the law. We are not obligated to the law. I am not required to keep the law in order to avoid the penalty that comes from breaking God's law, which is an eternity in hell. 
I'm, boy, am I thankful for that. That I am not obligated to that. That I am not obligated to go spend eternity in hell. You better believe that is a wonderful blessing. I, I've been freed from that. I am not, as a saved person, I am not obligated to keep some level of performance of the law in order to maintain my salvation. I, I don't have that. I have salvation. I have eternal life. I have all of these things. So my motivation for following these commands that are in the Scriptures is not law. It's not obligation. It's liberty. And the thing that gets me to do what the Bible says we should do is love. And he keeps mentioning that love. Because let me ask you, what kind of service is better for the server? One who is serving willingly out of love or one serving out of obligation? I mean, is that really what you want? Do you want your wife making you breakfast in the morning? Because that's what she has to do because she's your wife. Or she likes making you breakfast because she loves you. And she wants to make you happy as a husband. And let me tell you, Christian liberty is not the guy doing nothing. It's not the guy doing nothing. It's not the, it's not the free grace one upper that like got saved from not keeping the law and he's going to prove that you can break all the laws and still go to heaven. Okay. That, that, no, that's not, that's not what Christian liberty is. It's not the guy doing nothing, but a guy doing something out of love rather than doing it out of obligation. That's what God wants from us. God does not want to, listen, folks, we cannot keep this law. It's too holy. We're too sinful. But what God can do, God can remove that obligation. God can remove that penalty. He can give us eternal salvation. And then, if we love Him, now, when we start basically fulfilling the law, we're able to fulfill it in one word. Love. If you love God, you're going to keep His commandments. If you love your neighbor... For this, for love, you're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to kill. You're not going to bear false witness. That, that's better. Every good thing we do as a Christian should be done out of love rather than obligation. And let me tell you, this is where we, start, this is where we can start losing liberty. You can start doing the right thing out of obligation. A lot of people go to church because I'm obligated to go to church. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be. A lot of people go soul winning. I'm obligated to go soul winning. That's, that's not what God wants. God does not want us doing things out of obligation. And it's not obligation. If it's obligation, then you know what? We're required to do all of the law. And, and the penalty, all that stuff is still there. We don't do, we should not do anything out of obligation. It should be done out of love. I shouldn't not kill people out of obligation to the law. You know, I'd kill you right now. But the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Is that what God wants? Or does He want us not killing each other because we love each other? Isn't that better? Listen, you know, if I, if my, I told my wife, it's like, you know what, I'd divorce you, except God doesn't like divorce. How do you think that's going to go? Okay, no, I, I, my wife wants me to not divorce her because I love her. And, and now, listen. Sometimes we don't feel like doing the right thing. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to do the right thing anyway. But, but either way, we should all shoot for obeying the law out of love rather than obligation. That's what liberty is. And God enabled us to do it. Folks, there is no such thing as Christian liberty in a theology where you can lose your salvation. Do you understand that? It's amazing how many people... Nobody denies Christian liberty... 
But yet many people deny you or they teach you can lose your salvation while teaching Christian liberty. That doesn't make sense. Those two doctrines can't live together. If I can lose my salvation, I'm going to be doing all the things that I'm supposed to do to keep my salvation so I can keep my salvation because you know what? I've, I've hear people criticize this all the time. You know, I mean, there's a lot of those Christians in these cults. They think they're going to go to hell without Jesus. Well, that's because you're going to go to hell without Jesus. But let me tell you, people who come in churches like ours and get saved, they're not going to hell no matter what. Nothing's going to change that. And so, you know, we have liberty. We're, we're not here out of obligation. Hopefully you're here out of love. And we don't want to become an kind, a kind of environment where we just, I mean, we, we, do, we turn this place into a prison where maybe people aren't fearing God if they quit coming to church, but they fear us. They fear our wrath. They fear our judgment. They fear all the things that we're going to say about them. That's not the kind of environment. And folks, that happens in a lot of churches. That can happen in this church. We want to do things out of love, not out of obligation. I shouldn't, I should not steal from people, not because I don't want to go to hell or not just because I don't want to go to jail. It should be because I actually love people and I wouldn't want to do that to somebody. That should be our attitude. And so really, loving God, loving your neighbor, that should be all the law we need. If we love God and love our neighbor, we'll be fine. The law will not be a problem. James 1.25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue. This is how we steal most people's liberty. We do it with our tongues. You know, we, we say things about them. I question your salvation. You know, you didn't show up for church two weeks in a row. My, I, the Holy Spirit be all over me like ugly on an ape. I don't think I could handle it. I, I mean, I, 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 the Lord was chasing me so bad and nothing happened to you. I doubt you're even saved. Uh, watch that. If any man seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. And let me tell you, it's my religion to be at church every time the doors open. It is my religion to be at church every time the doors open. I believe in that. I practice that. I, but, I, but at the same time, I, I do these things because I truly believe in it. I'm convinced in it from the heart. I don't, I'm not doing it because I think I'll go to hell if I don't. I'm not even doing it because I think I'm a bad Christian. If I miss one time, there's, there's legitimate reasons. Your ox can fall in a pit. There's things, but it is a priority in my life. And so it goes on to say, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. If we have pure religion, we're going to be thinking of others. We're going to be loving other people. And so that perfect law of liberty that we look into, it is a holy law, but when I look at the law and I see curses, he that does this, curses, he that does that, curses, he curses, all those curses, I look at that and it's like, yeah, man, this shows me what God thinks about the law, but you know what? I'm glad I'm not under that obligation. I'm glad I don't have to be cursed. I have, I have no fear of being cursed. But when I go back to that law, it teaches me what God, how God feels about sin. And so because I love God, I don't want to do those things. And I'm thankful for that. And so if I mess up somewhere, I'm glad I have freedom. I'm glad I have liberty. I'm not, I'm not under condemnation. I'm not going to die and go to hell as a result of this. But you know what? I can go to the Lord and I can ask for forgiveness and He will give it to me every single time. 
And I can move forward as if I haven't done that sin. That, that's a blessing to be able to have that kind of thing. And so that law of liberty is one that where we don't have to fear condemnation, but we can. We can, we can learn what we can from the law, and it shows us how to, how, how to show our love. Because any of us can say that we have love. But at the same time, too, you know, what good is love if we don't show it to other people? And if we actually do love God, if we actually do love other people, we'll do things for them. There are certain things we won't do to them. And the scriptures and the law teaches us what, the, what those things are. So it is. It's a law, but it's a law of liberty. It's one that does not have an obligation with it. It's one that doesn't have condemnation with it. And so the question you need to ask yourself, what is stopping you from sinning right now? Whatever it is your sinful flesh is thinking about doing, what is stopping you from doing that sin right now? Is it the law or is it love? Hopefully, love is what's stopping you from sinning. And, th- and that's why Galatians 5.13 again, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Love is what will cause us to say, you know what, my flesh would like this thing right now that is sinful according to God's Word, but I'm saved. I'm not under the obligation of the law. I can't be condemned and cursed by the law, but at the same time, because I love God, because I love my neighbor, I'm not going to give my sinful flesh what it wants. And I'm telling you, We've got to do a better job of teaching people, even after you get saved, your sinful flesh is going to want to do some bad things that are hurtful to God, that are hurtful to other people. And so what we've got to do, we've always got to be working on our love. We've got to work on our, our, our love for God and our love for others. And if we'll work on that and deny our love of self and love of the things of the flesh, we'll do fine. And so we, you know what we should be? We should be like that hardworking retired guy who works because he enjoys the work, not because he works out of obligation. Because let's just face it, you know, you know, obviously I'm, I'm 43 and I, I have eight kids, seven at home. But, you know, sometimes I work out of obligation because I need to pay the bills. Right? And, you know, that kind of stinks. I mean, it, it would be nice to just be like, eh, I'm just going to take a week off. Wouldn't it be nice? I mean, you know, the thought of retirement, the thought of I have no responsibilities, I have no obligations, I'm financially set from here on out. Listen, if, if I did, if I all of a sudden had enough money to retire, I don't believe I would quit working. I don't believe I would quit serving in a church. But you know what? At the same time, too, it would be nice to be able to serve in a church just because you wanted to, not because you needed the job or anything like that. I mean, just the freedom that would come from that. But let's just face it, most of us, we have to go, we have to go to work every day. And, and, but I always admire those retire guys that even after they've retired from their job, they're still hardworking guys. But they're, they're doing work that they enjoy. They're doing work that they love. And that's how we ought to be as Christians. We should be like that retired guy, that hardworking retired guy. It's like, what are you doing in church today? You don't have to be in church. You're going to heaven one way or the other. You're set. You're secure. I just like going to church. 
I love God. I love His people. What are you doing not going out soul winning? What are you doing giving tithes and offerings? What are you doing living a separated life? Why are you doing all these things? You don't have to do these things. You're, you're saved. You're secured. And isn't that what people, and isn't it interesting the people who deny eternal security? They're always like, you know, if I believe in eternal security, they tell you all the bad things they would go do. That's interesting. That's interesting that that's what you want to do. You know why? Because they don't have love for God. They don't love God. They don't love their neighbor. But yet there's a lot of the people that I know who believe in eternal security, they're not going out there taking advantage. That's what that lost person would do because that's what's in their heart because they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. But you know what? The right kind of Christian, the person who fully understands that liberty they have in Christ, they are. They're doing the work with no stress. And imagine being able to have that job doing work you like to do, but you don't have the stress of getting fired. You don't have the stress of getting your pay docked and things like that because you have all these obligations. You are free to work when you feel like it. And that's how it is. That's how it's supposed to be for us as Christians. We have all this freedom, but it doesn't mean we're lazy. It doesn't mean we just give ourselves to whatever our flesh wants. It just means we're motivated by love. And let me tell you, if you have love, you're going to be following the law according to the scriptures you're going to be you're going to do good to your neighbor you're not going to hurt him you're going to be doing things for the lord and that's got to be our mentality and let me tell you you cannot have that in a system it is impossible to have that in a system where you can lose your salvation it makes no sense at all i want to hear somebody who believes you can lose your salvation preach on christian liberty and it fit anything that we see in the scriptures it makes no sense at all it makes absolutely no sense at all eternal security is the only way we can have Christian liberty like the Bible describes. And so, Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He preached this in a synagogue to the Jews. What was their captivity? It was the law. They were, they obligated themselves when God gave Moses the law on the mount and they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. You know what they did? They obligated themselves to follow that holy law. And so you know what Jesus said when he came? Isaiah prophesied that he's going to come and he's going to preach liberty to the captives. Hey, you people that you bound yourself to this law, because you were foolish enough to think that you could keep a holy law when you were a sorry, rotten people, you know what? I'm going to send the Messiah and He's going to come and He's going to proclaim liberty. He's going to preach that acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus came and He preached liberty to the captives. And you know how He did it? He came and He removed the obligation that they put on themselves when He paid their sin debt on the cross. He removed that. That's, and so that's why Jesus preached liberty. And the only way you can find liberty is in Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you're under the, you're under the curse of the law. You're under that obligation. You're under that condemnation. And Jesus came and he removed all that. And he didn't, he didn't remove that so they could continue in sin with no fear of consequence, but so now they could obey without fear of condemnation. Christ removing the condemnation also removed the obligation of doing the law to receive eternal life. But this, this liberates us. It removes that obligation. And now, if you love God, you'll keep His commandments. And that's what He said in John fourteen fifteen. If you love Me, 
keep my commandments. Not if you'll be saved. That's how some people interpret that. Oh, you can't be saved and keep his commandments. No, you can't love God without keeping his commandments. Okay, don't tell me that you love God when you're not keeping his commandments. First John 5, 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Okay, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You know what that means? It means you're saved. It means you've been born again. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. This is how we know we love the children of God. This is how we know we love God when we keep his commandments. Anybody that believes is born of God. But how do I know if I love God? Not how do I know if I'm saved. How do I know if I love God? Here's how you know if you love God, if you keep his commandments. And watch this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. If it grieves you to obey God and his commandments, then you don't love God. If it grieves me to play with my children and to be around my family, if it grieves me to provide for them and to love them and do all the things that a father is supposed to do, then you know what that means? It means I don't love my kids, but they're still my kids. But if I, if it grieves me to do those things, you know, when, you know, when we see verse in the Bible, like husbands love your wives, we shouldn't be like, if that's your attitude, it doesn't mean you're not married, but it does mean you don't love your wife. And you should probably work on that. You should probably, you should probably do something that, about that. You should probably ask the Lord to change your heart. So for most, for most real men, for most real men, work is not grievous. Okay? Work is not grievous. Okay? But most men need work and are not happy sitting around doing nothing. Now, I got, we got a lot of men on all kinds of meds and things today, and we got a lot of men turning into women and all that kind of stuff. But men need work to do. Red-blooded men need work. Here's what makes work difficult, though. It's obligation. Okay? Obligation is what makes it difficult. The stress of providing the challenges, things like that. But real red-blooded men are looking, they want to do some kind of work no matter what. They, they want to do some kind of work unless you've just got some kind of physical ailment that makes it where you can't without just extreme pain. If, you're, if you are a healthy, red-blooded man, you need work to do. You need something to accomplish. You need something to conquer. And let me tell you something. We got, you know, a lot, this Gen Z generation coming up. There's an expectation, even from some of the guys, but a lot of the expectation is even from their wives that their husband should be at home all the time. Men should not be at home all the time. Okay? And men need work. Men need challenges. Men need to go out and conquer. They need to go out and do something. They need to go, you know, and, and whether, you know, what, whatever it is. Listen, sometimes men have jobs that don't require a lot of physical things. So they might need a physical thing to do. They might need to play in a sport. They might need some kind of activity. You know, some men are able to do jobs where they're able to stay local or work at home and things like that. But you know what? They need an adventure sometimes. They need to go on a trip somewhere. And, and you've got a lot of women that just act like my husband should want to be at home with me and the kids 24-7. No, we shouldn't. No, men are supposed to subdue the earth. We're supposed to be conquering something. Okay, let your husband have something. Okay, let him have a job that takes him outside of the house. Let him let you know that, that's how it's supposed to be. 
You are to be the keeper of the home. He loves you and he loves the, he loves the kids, but this is what men want. They want to be able to go out and accomplish something and they want to be able to come home to his treasures and everything be happy, everyone be safe. That, that's what, that's what, that's what men need. Okay? And I'm not preaching about what, what men need today, but I just wanted to throw, I just wanted to throw that in there. But I just say all that to say that it is, it's obligation that makes work difficult. Okay? Men, if you get stressed out going to work, you know, it is. It's because sometimes there's work that's not pleasant. Sometimes we, we are under obligation. We have debts that makes things stressful. But, but at the end of the day, the work's not the problem. Okay, you know, we, you know, we need work to do, but we want to do it in liberty. That's what we want. We want to be like, again, like that old, uh, retired guy who just works because he's, he's still a red-blooded man and wants things to do. And so the works that God wants us to do show our love for Him and they are not grievous. And so what about, again, again what about these free grace one-uppers too? that refuse to get their act together and they want to make everything about salvation. Okay, what, what do we do about people like that? Oh, this person, they're professing the right gospel, but they're just as rotten as they were the day they got saved and maybe even have gotten a little more rotten. I know some people that repented of their sins so they could get saved, learned that they didn't have to repent of their sins to get saved, and then after they truly got saved, they got worse than they were before. And it's like, man, that's not what that's supposed to teach you. You know, you're not supposed to get worse. After you get saved, because there's a lot of people out there that are religious that think, I can't do this, I can't do that, otherwise I'll go to hell. And then it's like they learn the truth about how salvation is not of works. And it's like, man, now I'm free to just commit all these abominations. Please start loving God. You say, well, are you saying those people aren't saved? Here's what I'm saying about those people. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16.22, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be Anatha, anathema, maranatha. And I'm not saying they're not saved, but you know, if somebody just refuses to love God, we don't have to fellowship with them. Okay? We don't have to declare them unsaved and then use the Bible to prove they're not saved. That's stupid. Okay? That's not what the Bible teaches. But you know what? We can throw people out of the congregation for sin. And if people don't love the Lord, why would we want to fellowship with them? And let me tell you, if they just refuse to keep His commandments, if His commandments are grievous, if they see it as bondage, they make everything about it, make it all a salvation issue, you know what? Let's cut them off. Okay, hey, I'm glad you're saved. When you're ready to get right with God and start loving the Lord, come back to this church. Until then, see you later. Go watch internet videos of everybody getting exposed. Because in the meantime, we don't need you here. We're, we don't want you in our church. When we learn something, it's so uh, when it comes to Christian liberty in our church, when it comes to Christian liberty in our worship, okay, because some people would say our church is legalistic and we don't have liberty because we don't have women in tight pants up here with holes in them and aren't dancing to you know contemporary music with purple lights and smoke machines and all that kind of nonsense. So some people would say that we are not, we don't have liberty here. But here's the thing. When we learn something is sinful in our practice at church, you know what we should do? We should change it. But at the same time, if someone else does that same thing in ignorance, God can still bless those people and they can still please Him thanks to the blood of Christ. I mean, folks, do we really think our worship practices that we do here are just like impressing a God who has seraphim singing to him, holy, holy, holy in heaven. 
I mean, do we really think that, you know, if the presence of God truly came in here like they think happens at camp meetings when people start running around? I mean, do we really think, do we really think God is impressed with us with these things? No, but here's why I do believe God is often pleased with our service and God can even be pleased with the camp meeting service that has a different style than us. And folks, forgive me for this. God might even be pleased in a contemporary service somewhere if the hearts of those people are towards God. If their hearts are right. I believe God can be pleased. But again, but what if we learn something is, is something we shouldn't do. The blood of Christ, you know, we ought to get rid of it. But until then, the blood of Christ takes care of these things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where this now where the lord or now the lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty i'm not worried about accidentally seeing something wrong oh man we were singing that song and i just noticed that one of those one of the verses or one of the lines in that song had a syncopated beat you know we'll be okay all right we'll be okay all right if you're convinced syncopation is a sin then, you know, don't sing that one next time. But, you know, at the same time, if, if we were wrong, if we just, you know, broke a heavenly rule that they don't do in their music, the blood of Christ has us covered. Okay? And so just enjoy the song from the heart. So I don't even know what syncopation is. Don't worry about it. All right, don't worry, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I can tell you every church if you're, if you're concerned now. But in some churches, man, you, you, it's syncopated. You just quench your spirit. Holy Spirit, he was all over in that service until they had that syncopated beat. Now he's gone. He was gone. It was going good. You, you went and did that syncopated beat. We've we got to watch out for that. I have a hard time being critical of someone who maybe doesn't worship the way I do if I believe they are doing it from the heart or just doing the best they know how to do. I, I, I really do. We need to be careful not to be too quick. I might lose my IFB card, but that's okay. I got it taken away years ago. Right, but again, we might we need to be careful not to be too quick to force our IFB traditions down people's throats. And we need to be careful not to turn our IFB traditions into doctrine when they aren't. We've got to be careful. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if there are times that we veer off from tradition a little bit, it's okay as long as we don't veer off from doctrine. But we should never see liberty as a license to sin. That is wicked. That is malicious when we do that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But understand, on earth, there isn't liberty. When you sin on earth, there will be consequences that will make your life more difficult and will cause you bondage. First Peter 2.13 Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king and supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The, the thing we all need to understand is there is liberty in Christ, but there isn't liberty on earth when you sin. There is not liberty on earth when you sin. When you sin against man, you create obligation for yourself. You create debt. You create wrath from man. So just understand, 
Often what people do when we're encouraging people, hey, don't go rob that bank. Hey, don't sin. Don't go commit this abomination. Young people, don't go fornicate. Why are we saying all these things? Are we trying to put them in spiritual bondage? No, we're trying to keep them out of physical bondage here on this earth. Because it will do that for you. You can go get some girl pregnant, and while the blood of Christ will cleanse you, and you will not go to hell for what you did, and you can have liberty in Christ... You will not have liberty on this earth because they're going to be taking your paycheck and you're going to be paying child support and all that kind of stuff. So don't do it. Don't do it. And you're not going to get to experience real liberty until you get to heaven because you put yourself under so much bondage on this earth. And so this is why too, this is why we still talk about the moral law. I'm not obligated to keep the moral law to maintain my salvation, but I am obligated to keep the moral law if I want to enjoy life on this planet. If I want to enjoy liberty in America. If I want to enjoy liberty in America, I can't go killing people. I can't go doing, I can't go robbing banks. I've seen the stacks of cash at the bank before. I've often thought how nice it'd be to grab a handful of that and just take off. But I would lose my liberty because they got cameras all over that place. So well, would you take it if they didn't have cameras? Not if I love God. Not if I love God. Okay? If you knew you could get away with it. Okay? Hey, if I would do it, if I knew I would get away with it, then I'm doing it out of obligation of the law, not love. Okay? And if, again, if you love God, you're going to do the right thing even if you could get away with it. We need that, so that, You understand how that works? You, when you love God, you don't need cameras on you. When you love God, you don't have to have all that stuff. There's many saved people enjoying the liberty they have in Christ while sitting in prison. They're there for horrible sins, but you know what? Thankfully, they're able to have peace to know that now things are good between them and God and they're going to go to heaven someday. But are those people enjoying liberty on this earth? No. You know why? Because they sinned. They are paying a debt to society. They don't have any debt to God, but they have a debt to society. I don't want to debt to society. That's why the Bible says, owe no man anything. He's referring not to just financial debt so much, but he doesn't, don't be sinning against people, but by love, serve one another. We should be, I should, we should be doing things for people because we love them, not because we owe them. If I, if brother Chris is like doing a roof on his house and you see me there helping him, you know, and you say, man, Brother Tommy, he's really nice helping one of his church members out. But then you find out, well, no, he loaned me a bunch of money. And this is how I have to pay him back. And I'm there and I got a bad attitude. You know, I'm just there out of obligation. That's not, that's, then you know what? All of a sudden, we're not impressed anymore. All of a sudden, Brother Chris isn't getting a good feeling when I'm showing up because I have to. You know, but when I'm doing it out of love because he's my friend, that's a better feeling, isn't it? And that's, that's what God wants from us. And so what often makes me sad, and I hear this a lot, is when I hear testimonies of people who talk about all the things they were forced to do in their IFB cult. I hear this a lot. But you know what? When somebody talks how they were forced to tithe, forced to have standards, they were forced to go soul winning, you know, there's a couple problems with that. First off, maybe their church was forcing them. I've had people that are critical of me because I don't, force people to do enough stuff. But it's like, this is called Liberty Baptist Church for a reason. I want people here doing things out of love, not obligation. We want to do these things in freedom. And again, some, you know, 
some churches have been more successful in getting people to attend more faithful, go sowing all these things. But you know what? They're also the ones who have people when they leave calling it a cult and talking about all the bondage they were in. I just, I refuse to do that. So, well, that's probably why our church isn't huge. Well, maybe, but you know what? While we might not be a big church, we have liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What would we rather have? A big church and not the Spirit of the Lord or a church with the Spirit of the Lord? Without as many people. Guess what? The most important person that needs to show up in every service is the Lord, not you, not me. We want, the, we want to invite the Lord in here and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So no, we don't force people to do these things. We don't force anybody to tithe. We don't force anybody to go soulening. We don't force anybody to do any of these things. But many people feel like that, and they were. They were being forced. You know what that tells me? You were doing things out of obligation. You were doing things motivated by law rather than motivated by love. What a shame that is that they missed out on that. Because here's, and here's where they're wrong when they call it a cult. Often, within that church that they're calling a cult, there were people that were doing all those same things out of love. They were doing those things because they wanted to. People who are doing these things out of love, you can't stop them from doing these things. You can't stop them. Nobody has to make me feed my children. Now, again, if I didn't, the government might come along and do something, but nobody has to make me provide for my children. The fact that I love them is all the motivation I need. I've never had to have the government to come you know, do a welfare check on my children. You know why? Because there's, there's not anything wrong. I am, I am more concerned about the welfare of my children than the government is. And sadly, this is, it's not this way in a lot of churches. A lot of these people talking about their IFB cults they're in, they don't understand. Many of us do these things because we love God. And, it may, and because we love God, no one can stop us from doing these things. Many of these people, again, they probably were in churches that were pulling people back into bondage rather than proclaiming liberty and teaching the law of love. And I don't have time. I wish we had time to go through Galatians 5. I had in my notes to go through if we don't have time. We don't, we don't have time. But again, people are missing the point. And let me tell you, a lot of churches are pulling people into bondage. A lot of people are motivating others to do the right thing out of obligation. That is not what God wants. Okay? Again, I, I, we had somebody that left the church here who said that they thought I should be more of a dictator. That was what they told me. They're like, I actually think that's you know, the way it should be. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. The, the Holy Spirit has never led me to lead that way. I don't believe the Bible teaches me to lead that way. And I, I'm not going to do it. Hey, I'm not going to do it. If y'all want, listen, the IFB does attract a lot of people who want to be in a cult. And we've had people that come through here that wanted a cult. And we've disappointed them greatly. And we will continue to disappoint those people because they're, they're just, they don't please God. And if I do, if I have to force you to do these things, it's not right. Christian liberty is what we have when we get saved because God removes the obligations of the law he removes the condemnation that sin brings from the law. But that him removing these things enables us, even in our sinful condition, to have a relationship with God without fear of condemnation. And, and Christian liberty, though, it does, it does not in any way remove the earthly consequences that naturally come from sin. 
It, it doesn't do that. So we do. We bring, we preach the law. We preach morality from the scriptures because we want you to continue to have liberty. And if you see those things as robbing you of your joy, it's because you love yourself. Not, be, it's not because you love God. It's because you don't love God. It's because you don't love your neighbor. All that, and so that's what, why we teach laws like we do. That's why we preach hard against sin because we love God and we love others. So hopefully, Having said all that, you now understand the doctrine of um, Christian liberty. One of the, I think, one of the most important things, and we, and it's a, it's a, while we can lose, or while we can't lose our salvation, we can lose our liberty in this church. In many Baptist churches, they have no liberty. People are in churches against their will, and they are doing thing, good things against their will, and we don't need those people. Because all they do is they hurt the church later when they're talking about all the stuff I was forced to do and I was in a cult and they were abusive and blah, blah. Nobody's going to abuse anybody here. Nobody's making anybody do anything here. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. But at the same time, too, if you just don't love the Lord, if you don't love your neighbor, can you please go somewhere else? Because we love the Lord here. And if any man love not our Lord, let him be anathema. Maranatha. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for liberty that we have in you. We thank you for eternal salvation. And Lord, I pray that this message will uh, help just relieve a, a burden. Lord, if, if, if people have a burden, if people are, have been feeling obligated to do some things, Lord, I pray that this message will help take it away. And I pray, Lord, that it will make them love you more and, and it will make them love others more. And I pray, Lord, that we will be motivated by the law of liberty that will be motivated by love rather than ab- obligation to the law. And I uh, pray you'll just uh, give people that liberty that only you can. In your name we pray. Amen.